Welcome to Musically Speaking, the podcast with your hosts, Lewis and Pedro, where we discuss all things music, the business of music, and making your mark as an independent artist. We're glad you're here. So let's get this show started. Hello, welcome to a new episode of Musically Speaking, the podcast. My name is Lewis. And my name is Pedro. It's a nice, beautiful Saturday morning in Florida. And uh, both Pedro and I are in the same room, which is has been great. We've been able to record a couple of great episodes uh, face-to-face, and it's been a good experience. And uh, I just want to say thank you for coming down here. Oh, happy to be here. I mean, whenever this airs, uh, just this is where we are when we were doing it. Yeah, makes so. sense. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll probably be like, I recorded this? I don't, I don't remember <laughs> talking about this. But uh, I, I had a good time kind of being in the same room and, and vibing. For those who don't know... We do this remotely, so I'm in New York City. I'm in the Bronx recording, while while Lewis is in in Florida. So those wonderful episodes that you hear are are done remotely, which is yeah. it's kind of kind of wild. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of these other podcasts, they, you know, they're, they're in the same room. Right, they have video going on. We're not quite there yet, but you know, we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting it. We're getting there. You know, I might record myself once I get my. My little Poochie Production Studios up, up and running. <laughs> what? Wait, 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 what's the name of the production? The Poochie Production Studios. <laughs> it's a, where, where did that name come from? Uh, long story short, my my one of my favorite characters from The Simpsons is a very little known character called Poochie, which was a dog of part of their Itchy and Scratchy cartoon. And me and my friends from college always used to call each other Poochie. And then when my daughter was born, I called her Poochie. So <laughs> it's just a thing that kind of stuck. So... Uh, I mean, okay. I'm sure my wife hates the name, but the PPS, Put Your Production Studios. I don't know. It sounds good. <laughs> that does sound good. That sounds good. <laughs> we go, we go with, you know, this is a music podcast, man. And we wouldn't be here today if we didn't have albums that touched us in a way that made us feel special. You know, whatever the story was behind it. We're going to talk about our favorite albums. Of all time. We're going to go through 10 because I have so many. Yeah. You yeah, know, me too. I have them in phases. I could do a show with like, you know, 82 to 90, 10 favorite albums, 90 <laughs> to 92, 10 favorite. Like, you know, I could do one 10 album set about like a summer. Yeah. I could do summer 99, 10 albums. Wow. You know, just because that, that particular summer had a lot of meaning. But yeah. we're going to go through the 10 right now, kind of encompassing most of our lives here that we felt was was really important. And, and, and we're probably going to age ourselves a little bit here, right? We will. Um but I think that this that's part of it, you know, providing people with some albums that they might have said, oh, man, I forgot that that existed. Yeah. Or I know that artist, but I don't know that album, you know, and, and we're going to go through deeper dives here, too, because some people are very familiar with maybe the bigger hits of some of these albums. And we're going to go into some of the other songs that have meaning to us, man. I'll let you kick it off, Lewis. What, what is one album that really kind of influenced you and one of your all-time favorites? Well, you know, when I first got exposed to music, I remember a time, the age of maybe, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. You know, I'm in the Bronx, three-bedroom apartment with my parents and my sister. And my sister and I used to rock out to a Sesame Street album. Um, and the album was uh, entitled Monsters. And uh, to this day, I think both <laughs> me and my sister can recite and perform all of the songs on that album. They, that is they, amazing. <laughs> That is amazing. By the way, we're talking about albums here. This is a record. Yeah, it was an actual vinyl record <laughs> that we put on the on my mom's record player. We sang every song, and we used to do when my my parents had visitors over. 
on a Saturday night, my sister and I used to go upstairs and say, okay, let's put a show together. We used to grab, you know, a, <laughs> grab a free sign, put a, put a cape on and, and grab, you know, whatever toys we had. And we should put on a show and, 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 and perform these songs. So that's one of my most lasting memories. And I think that really kickstarted my desire to perform and to be, to be an artist. Tell me so, some of those yeah. songs, man. Give me, give me a song from that. Cause I am not familiar with this album, man. Tell me, tell me one of the hits. Yeah. Be kind to the monsters in your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. <laughs> Look at that. There you in go. your neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> so for my boy DJ Opie, you make sure you have that available on karaoke. Right. Yeah, baby. When I go to the Pines on Friday. <laughs> yep. Sesame Street, The Monsters. Yeah, definitely one of my first, uh, first, first albums. And, then, and what about you? Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it off with, a, with an album that defined uh, my my adolescence. I would say. I mean, this album came out in 1995. Uh, it's Ace of Base, The Bridge. Ah, okay. It is, I mean, I'm telling you, man, for a kid like me who had like a million crushes that were unrequited, that this was the album for me. You know, I fell in love with Ace of Base when The Sign came out, which was a humongous, huge hit. A, a humongous hit. And The Bridge was never going to live up to that expectation. Mm. And we knew that. I discovered this album at my local library. That's where I got a lot of my new music back then uh, when I wanted to discover something new. And I, I took it out, you know, not expecting much because Beautiful Life was a single. And I heard it and I, I fell in love. I mean, I really liked that song, but I knew there was more more to it, more to that album. Right. And for me, it was just an amazing experience. First of all, the album is long. There's 17 songs in there. Wow. So it was a very heavy album. Uh, you know, there were songs on there that I, I really still, to this day, when I hear them, I kind of kind of go back to like my 13 year old self yeah you know um uh, lucky love never gonna say i'm sorry uh strange ways ravine uh i think that if i if i had to say what was my favorite song on this uh quesera was uh one of them uh there's a song there that's super sexy that every time i think about it i don't know why i was thinking that way maybe it was because i was growing up <laughs> and then discovering myself but whispers in blindness Oh my God, son! <laughs> that is—I mean, this—this this was a very sexy, grown Ace of Base album. Okay, and I don't think that people were expecting that. Yeah, they were expecting like the sign part two. Yeah, and uh, it just—that was a this defined what was me kind of becoming a teenager, really starting to like. Ooh, I kind of like girls in a different way, and I remember writing poetry to every song. Uh, I, I don't know where all those poems are, but. It was, it was a big album for me. Well, the next album that played a big role in my life and is probably one of the most well-known albums in history. Everyone knows it. It's it's Michael Jackson's Thriller. That dropped in, I think, 82. 1982. Yeah, 1982. And, and the reason it was significant in my life, because I, I remember my first experience walking down Fordham Avenue in the Bronx. They were showing Thriller on a TV. You know, as you walk by a storefront, they had a TV out in the storefront. Yeah, we're gonna have to kind of explain what that means because they're like, "What?" Well, if <laughs> back in the day when you walked past an electronic store, right, they had the TVs on display, and it was a great way to kind of if you didn't have a TV, right, or if it was something big because back then television was a kind of an all an event where everybody was part of. So they used to just have like the news playing. Yep. On TV, you would walk by, you know, we had no cell phones, you know, no notifications. Yep. 
that electronic store was your notification. <laughs> so something's <laughs> yeah. going on, and you were walking by an electronic store, you saw it on TV. So yeah. that's, that's what yeah. we're talking yeah. about. And then you see a group of folks surrounded around the storefront yeah. watching this Thriller video. Um, and, and I remember that vividly. <laughs> that was my first exposure to that album. My mom ended up buying me the album. It was I remember it was a, a beautiful album, Fold Out. It had Michael Jackson laying across uh, with a leopard, or maybe it was a baby lion. I don't, I don't know what that was, but it scared the hell out of me <laughs> as a kid because I'm like, what the hell? That's a big cat. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember that though. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful setup as an yeah, album. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. He's glowing in there. Yeah, you know <laughs> exactly. Yep. He's yep. sitting down on the side like he was glowing. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's a dope album. Remember break dancing to beat it. I remember doing a couple of talent shows when I was in daycare, doing uh, you know beat it and Thriller, and so you know it, it was a, a memorable album. Of course, you know, it, it became one of the best-selling albums of all time. Was that the one that has the Paul McCartney duet as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You know, there's there. There's a couple of good ballads in there that people forget about. Yeah, PYT, Billy Jean. She's those. Out of My Life is on that one or no? That no, was no, That no. was, uh, that that was, was uh, off, off the Wall. wall. That was yeah, Off the, the wall. wall. Yeah. Oh, that's a big album. Yeah. Probably influenced a gazillion people. Uh, absolutely. Yep, for sure. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep with my growing up theme with my favorite albums. And this one... This one is special to me because, again, I found this one at the library, and this was during a time when I just was getting kind of tired of, of listening to a lot of hip-hop. I listened to a lot of hip-hop back then, but I wanted to, I was becoming more of a of a teenager. I was, I was getting emotional, and the, <laughs> the, the music wasn't really, that music wasn't really touching me in, in a special way that was was going to get get things done. It wasn't really kind of inspiring me but this album it came out back in 1993 tony 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 oh, sons of soul nice that's a good one an excellent excellent i mean if you like r&b this was back the new jack swing was kind of on its way towards ending but there was this this album still has like that new jack swing feel to it it's not it's not it feels good it's not it feels good it's not that but it has elements of that okay and it has some great cuts it it, it really has some great party anthems I remember just listening to that album and falling in love. There's some great songs in there. I mean, there's a song in there that I used to always dedicate. I don't do it anymore because it doesn't have great memories, but Anniversary is a great track for those who okay, have a significant someone. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a great song that is has some, uh, you know, uh, innuendos on it. Lay your head on my pillow. Sing it, baby. Sing it. <laughs> there's a, that's a great track right there. Um, there's another song that in the beginning... Uh, I didn't feel connected to it, but then I felt connected to it later on. And he's like, my ex-girlfriend is a hoe. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, so another great track called Fun okay. is on there. So excellent tracks on there. R&B, New Jack Swing, Fun album. Around the same time, 1982, there was another boy band craze. The one and only Menudo. Menudo, Menudo was huge. Menudo was huge. Of course it was huge, man. They, huge. Were, they were doing their thing. I remember this one particular album called Por Amor, and uh, it was the one where they're wearing raincoats um, on, the, on the album. Google it. Looking all wet. And- <laughs> Google it. Yeah, but they, they had some monster songs out of that. Of course, the title track, Por Amor, Dulce Besos. They had uh, Sube a Mi Moto. Sube a Mi Moto. I got a funny story about that, but keep going. <laughs> And Menudo was huge, you know. They, you know, I'm Latino, I'm Puerto Rican in the Bronx. 
they were straight out of Puerto Rico, and they were the biggest thing since sliced bread, you know? I mean, and they were a sense of pride for anybody, not just Puerto Ricans, but anybody who was Latino. Yeah, Because sure. everybody loved Menudo. I mean, you if, if you were old enough or if you were around with kind of like Backstreet Boys and sick and that kind of like yeah. craziness, or even before that, like the Beatles, where just the girls would lose their minds, yeah. this was, Menudo was yeah, like that. it was just like that. It was insane, and some great artists came out of Menudo. I mean, you look, look, you know, Ricky Martin is probably the most popular one. Yeah, Robbie Rosa, who ended up being a big time producer. Yeah, Ricky Martin. I mean, those are the major ones that that, that are most. Uh, and this notable. was the first. Was this the first? This was the first incarnation of Menudo because they kept going. That's correct. They yeah, because the, Menudo was uh, the the record company owned the name, so they interchanged members. It became a business. Yeah, and then I remember I remember one group. This is probably later on. Probably the second incarnation of Menudo, and they they kind of split off. They dropped the name Menudo, and they went to MDO. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, and that's when they started trying to do more uh, urban. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that, too. But that's a that's a big album. My parents had that album. Yeah. And they used to make me dance to uh, Sube Tiamimo, that yeah, I would be like baby. a little kid, you know. Doing <laughs> little... Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like my parents treated me like some sort of novelty. You know, parents, you know, people would come over to the house. Pedrito, baila, baila. You know, they made me dance and they would play these songs. And But uh, that was that was big, man. That's a big, big album, man. So uh, the next album I'm going to talk about to this day really, I think, describes my life from what was teenager to adulthood. You know, this was a moment where it got real. It was like high school's over. You, you you kind of an adult now. And I had a lot of anger. I felt like people didn't understand me. And this album defined my life at the time. And every time I hear it, I go back to that place. And whenever I'm upset, whenever I'm like, yo, man, I'm tired of this, you know, BS. This album gets me going again, gives me hype. The Marshall Mathers LP, first one, released in 2000. Was is that the one with the album covers a picture of his old house? Yep, yeah. the abandoned house. Yeah, uh, it's it's just I mean amazing, amazing. I mean that's on my list too, by the way. And I guess we could we could do a duel on yeah. here because yeah. we could talk about what which songs kind of mean yeah. what to us. I mean, first of all, just to backtrack, Slim Shady LP comes out. I liked it. I didn't love it. I liked it because it was just so different. I didn't know what to expect. And, and that's the one he had, uh, My Name Is, was the lead single. My Name Is, Don't Give an F, Guilty Conscience. I mean, you know, it was an album that, to me, had a story that was almost like comic comic book-like. And I was like, I don't know about this guy because, you know, hip-hop was in a weird place. And I don't know what to think of this. He didn't fit into any of those realms. But it was big, man. And... Marshall Mathers LP comes out, and I remember he, you know, which by the way, it's it's the top most sold hip hop album of all time, it, and it still holds that record right now. Oh yeah, I mean the real Slim Shady was the first single out of that, and I was like, I like the beat, man, I'm feeling it, but it still had like that comic booky kind of feel to it. But I was like, I'm gonna get this album because I like the first one. I'm feel I'm feeling where he's going with this, but boy. That uh, they changed my life. That that uh, I mean, first of all, he, he he's coming from a place where he's ex- now he's big. He's a big deal now. You know, he's with Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre co-signs on you. You're a hit, and you still got you got you got to live up to that. And he's angry at the world. I mean, somebody that famous and ang- ang- that angry 
I was like, yo, if he can be angry, I could be angry because I'm not nowhere near his money. I'm nowhere near his status. I'm 18. I'm pissed. And I mean, some of them, I got a lot of favorites from that album. Yeah. But there's a there's a couple of good ones. Uh, Kill You is one that I I really like. Yeah. It's just, you know, I remember when he performed it and I got to see him perform that live. Everybody screamed the chorus. Everybody was just screaming it. He didn't even have to like talk on the mic. Uh, Stan, of course. Yeah, Stan, absolutely. Stan, good storytelling. Uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. When I heard Stan and I heard that that sample, I immediately went to find out who Dido was. I was like, this is amazing. And first of all, I didn't put it on this list, but that Dido album is great. Listen to that album, that song, that sample. It's just a snippet of how wonderful. Yeah. That, it's, it's D-I-D-O, right? Dido, yeah. yeah Dido, yeah. That's a great album, man. I mean, he actually pushed me to go listen to that because yeah. I was like, this woman sounds great. And I mean, that's storytelling at its finest, you know. And, yep. And it's it's part of like lexicon now. Like when you say, I'm going to stand you, you know, that means like I'm a super fan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a super fan. You're the <laughs> that's death. true, yeah. <laughs> uh, who knew? Yeah. I mean... I never yeah. knew why, knew why, you know? Yeah, talks about his, his influence and not knowing, you know, that he he's, uh, you know, influencing folks to, to be angry or be mad. I mean, he ran the gamut, but yeah, that was an amazing record. The Way I Am is my favorite. Yeah, me too. The Way I Am is my favorite on that. And that video, he's falling, and falling in the rain. Falling down, falling down, yep. You know, and back then we're talking about, you know, MTV was still playing videos. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but TRL... Was where it was at Total yeah. Request Live And I remember That's when you premiered The video And I had to run home Because I had to get there On time Because it was like Yo Eminem premiere And I was like Yo I need to get home Because I need to see this And that video Blew my mind You know And to this day I, I feel that That's like an anthem For me You know That's the way I am Is how I am And if I wasn't Then why would you say I am You know So um, What would You know what are you some of some of your favorites? Did I miss any that you like? There was a song called Kim. Oh, that's um, that's a big one. I can't I can't listen to that one too much. But later on in life, when I got a little older and I went through some stuff, yeah, I, I related better. But that is insane. Yeah, that's a he, great song. yeah, his mind just works crazy, bro. I mean, the, the kind of stuff that he put out. He exposed his 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 life, his relationship with his ex wife, his relationship with his daughter Haley, and he put that on wax. So you know, for for the whole world to kind of listen to and judge and, and I think that was part of who he was and what made him so attractive to so many folks you know just his his being so real and raw authentic I think he always came off across as authentic yeah and this album really expresses kind of his frustration with being famous which yeah. I'm sure everybody goes through yeah not being able to go to the bathroom without having to sign an autograph yeah, 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 for sure. And and I think if you look at his entire catalog, I think this album in particular, to me anyway, defines the pinnacle of his of his success. Yeah, everybody it's, I don't know what it's called, but I think everybody has like a Picasso. Yeah. You know, you it's go. like the yeah. one thing you can't touch. Yeah. And I think this is it. I, I nothing that he will ever make will come close to that unless for some weird reason he changes, he shifts his way of thinking or he right. does something so out of the ordinary that genius level comes up again. But this was his moment and he took it for all it was worth. And then that was the beginning of his major run in, in, in hip hop. Yeah, how many more albums did he do after that? Well, they, they, no, you're talking about after that, it was uh, the Eminem show and Encore, which I think 
is is somewhat of the of the triple set in my opinion. Those kind of albums all kind of go hand in hand, right? You know, along with what was Slim Shady MP and Marshall Mathers LP, because he's one is as an alter ego and one is himself. If you want to want to play it that way, right? But those are those were all good tracks. Another really quick standout that I want to talk about on that album is also uh, the the D12 under the influence song because it was the first time that he brought out that group, which the, the D12 stands for Dirty Dozen. And that was the first time that people really got a chance to listen to kind of his crew. Right. And these were yeah. pretty good rappers in their own, you know, in their own right. Yep. And, and I, I like the way they kind of flowed off each other, which led to what was Devil's Night, which was their, their own D12, like, hip-hop album and one of my favorite kind of posse albums that, that exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he talks about that in... um. In his latest album, Kamikaze, he talks about not being as supportive or uh, or pushing them as much as he he could have, um, yeah, and he addressed yeah. that. Yeah, and and that was that was a tough pill to swallow there. And, and I'll be talking about Kamikaze as, as one of my favorite albums as well, even though it's one of the newer ones. Sweet, okay. Um, but uh, I mean, that's that's going to be further down the line. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Well, keeping it going in the R and B spectrum, one of the albums that caught my eye and and that was on constant replay for me was an artist by the name of Craig David. Ooh. Yeah, and he had an album called Born to Do It. That album, for me, was uh, my introduction to real R&B and, and, and songwriting. So he had some, you know, some just wonderful songs that are memorable for me, like Fill Me In, uh, Rendezvous, Seven Days. Seven Days, you know, that album is, is good from front to back. Exactly, exactly. And that it came out... I, Correct me if I'm wrong out there, but my good buddy Scar is probably going to correct me. He used to work for Tower Records. Okay. And he had access to albums before they were kind of big in the United States. So right. he had a lot of... That song, if, if my memory serves me correct, was out in England first. Yes, it was. And he had... Yeah, and, and he's, an, he's a, uh, an artist mouth from out there, yeah. Yeah, so he had access to that album, and he was like, yo, you got you to gotta listen to this guy, Craig David. You got to yeah. listen to this guy, Craig David. So, you know, I went and, and heard it, and I was like, oh, snap. Yeah, it came out in 2000. That was I. I really like that album, man. Yeah, That's no, I love choice. that album. I still keep it on my playlist today. And like you said, back in the days, if you were lucky enough to find albums like this that you can listen to from track one to fifteen or twelve, whatever, those were were gems. Yeah, that was that was an, an excellent album. Yeah, you know, if you want to listen to some R and B and kind of what R and B represented yep. during that time frame. Yep, that's a good album for that. Absolutely, that's yep. a good album for that. Uh, another uh, another album that I want to kind of get into. Which, uh, unfortunately, we will never really get to see what will happen after that was uh, Amy Winehouse, Back to Black. Oh, wow. Okay. You know, that came out in, in 2006, and it wasn't her first album. She had some work before that, but she, has, she didn't find herself quite yet. She wasn't sure where she was at, and this was like her definition of who she was, kind of that old soul. You know, Mark Ronson, who just, just won an Oscar, was a big part of that. Uh, you know, she did some collaborations with uh, Nas because of the same kind of producing team that they had. Uh, Back to Black was a big deal for me because it, it represented that like that soul. Right. Amy Winehouse had like that soul sound, like that old soul, and it, it that was a kind of part of that revival moment there. And and she did not look like a kind of typical soul singer, so you know her demons got the best of her, unfortunately, and that that was unfortunate. But there were some really good songs on there. I mean, most people know Rehab, right? Which is, yeah. which is, which is actually a true story. 
She, she, they told her, you gotta go to, you got a drug problem. She was like, no. Gotta go to rehab. Said no, no, no. That was true. She said no many times. Uh, but there's some really good songs here. Uh, I think my favorite is Love is a Losing Game. That song is so melancholy. Mm. And you could just kind of hear Amy just pouring her soul out on that song. Yeah. I don't know what she was talking about, but it hurt me listening to that. Yeah. Uh, she was that kind of artist. You know, and, and, and Tears Dry on Their Own was a good one. Wake Up Alone is a song that I don't know a lot of people... Uh, familiar with that's another good song on that album that I really really like but yeah. Back to Black was a classic and it won a gazillion Grammys yeah yeah so um, that that's a that's a big album for me well this concludes this episode of Musically Speaking the podcast this is part one of a two part series where both Pedro and I share with you the ten most influential and inspirational albums of our lifetime cool stuff as usual please be sure to share to like to comment check us out at musicallyspeakingpodcast.com and we will catch you on the next one thank you for tuning in to musically speaking with your hosts lewis and pedro be sure to visit musicallyspeakingpodcast.com